Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple pencil with it, I have been doing that on there and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook... Here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper like, and I'm sure it's it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use, and paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better... This is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, to get started. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? That's more Rocket Ajax to bring back his body. Hello, everybody, and welcome to War Rocket Ajax. This is the internet's most explosive comic book and pop culture podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Chris Sims. With me, as always, is Matt Wilson. Matt, happy holidays. I hope your special day is going well. 
Wait. Oh, it's we're recording on four twenty. Yeah. Yes. Right. Your special day. Yes, my special day that I definitely celebrate with a plum. With is is a plum? Is that is that like a new term? Yeah, I, my, I might not be up on all the terms that the grass man knows. It's my favorite uh, strain that you can buy. <laughs> Look, I'm already out of my depth. I hope everybody had a wonderful 420 for all those that celebrate. I mean, this episode won't go up until like the 24th. But it's a Thursday, so I had to work. <laughs> same, same. Mm, mm, mm. But to all those who celebrated... I hope you had a, a wonderful, wonderful day. And we might get some 420-related questions on the show this week because we are doing the occasional listener question special on the show this week. We are taking your questions from Twitter and our Discord. And I might even dig up a question or two from our Tumblr. So that's what we're going to be doing. Tumblr's back. Apparently you can put the dirty stuff on there again. No kidding. Well, good for them. Good for Tumblr. Good for anyone who wants to put dirty stuff there. I endorse what you're doing. (laughs) Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. I think... Matt, I think we might need to talk about how you just said that you endorse anyone putting the dirty stuff on Tumblr. (laughs) I endorse what you're doing to a point, as long as it's legal and not hurting anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Other than that, fucking go nuts, everybody. Matt Wilson said, too. Yeah. Uh, You have a grass man's leave. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Chris, as always, we have some business to take care of here at the top of the show. The first bit of business is thanking our newest supporters on Patreon. That's right, Matt. Now, these are the people who went down to 633 Gimmick Street, and Matt, you know what's there. I, you don't need to, the The bit is very long, so I we don't need to me to ask you if you know what's there. You know what's there. It's the it's your local polling place. Uh-huh. It's where you got to vote on whether Gimmick Street should live or die. <laughs> yeah. It's just like Robin in the 80s. You need to decide if Gimmick Street will live or die. I have gotten, there is a person whose opinion I trust more than just about anyone's in this world, Matt, who told me that they are not digging Gimmick Street. <laughs> yeah, we. I've seen very positive and protective messages about gimmick street and i've seen people say that they now permanently skip the first 10 minutes of the show because of the gimmick street bit and i don't want people to do that that bums me out that folks are doing that so they're really good here at the top of the show folks so i'm thinking maybe we relocate the gimmick street portion of the show to to the end, possibly. We, rand- we randomize it so people don't know when they're going to have to deal with it. <laughs> Whatever the case, we're yes. we're really about to electrify those cages, you little rats. 
your local polling place and debate hall is at 633 Gimmick Street. That's at 633 Gimmick Street. And while you're on the way down there, why don't you uh, take out an internet-connected device and uh, go over to patreon.com slash warrocketajax, where you can kick in as little as a dollar a month to help me and Matt pay those gimmicks they keep sending the mail call bills. That's right. Here are our newest Patreon supporters, Chris, CJ Crawl. Thank you, CJ. Long time backer, I believe. Yeah, long time listener. And Adam Blount. Thank you, Adam. Also a, a familiar name. If you would like to be like CJ and Adam, you can head over to patreon.com slash warrocketajax, as Chris said, and kick in as little as $1 a month to make sure that we do this show every week, that we do every story ever monthly, that we do comics catch-up monthly, that we do movie fighters and snack situation. We did the latest movie fighters about the 2000 Dungeons and Dragons movie, which led to Chris and I, just before we started recording, watching an incredible outtake of Jeremy Irons having complete contempt for that movie and everyone on set. I'll share it in the show notes. It is unbelievable how much he flips a switch from acting like big acting to I hate this and everyone here. (laughs) All of those shows are made possible by your support on Patreon. And as a patron, you get all of those shows, everything we record completely ad free. You can also get other cool stuff over there on the Patreon at different levels of support. You can get bonus content that includes bonus audio that we record, outtakes from the show that I cut out that we don't have time for, writing that Chris does. Uh, Chris has been doing a series of video game reviews on the Patreon that uh, will continue very soon. I've also written a couple things that are Patreon-exclusive. And uh, you can also get physical rewards. I keep threatening to send the t-shirt design to our t-shirt people, and that will, in fact, happen very soon. Uh, As soon as I think we get toward the end of tax month, that will have occurred. So uh, if any of that sounds cool to you and you want to kick in some money to our Patreon, please do it. Patreon.com slash WarRocketAjax. If you are unable to help us out monetarily, you can help us out in other ways. You can leave a five-star review on the podcasting app that you use. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Or you can just spread the word about the show. Tell your friends about the show. Let folks know to listen to WarRocketAjax. Listen to that. Dungeons and Dragons episode of Movie Fighters. That is one of my favorite ones we've done in a while. I think it it went pretty well. Yes, it was a bad movie, good episode. Bad movie, good episode. Tends to be the way it goes. Yes. Now that we've done that, Chris, now that we've thanked our Patreon supporters, it's time for some checks and recs. What do you say? Let's do it. Chris, what are you checking in with this week? (sighs) Matt, I don't know what's going on anymore. Oh, no. Oh, it no. It was 30 degrees. Then it was 80. <laughs> then it was. Then it snowed again. <laughs> I did not know that that was leading into weather talk. 
I'm sorry. If you listen to my podcast, you'll know that I hate talking about the weather. It's the it happened in the past in a place where you probably don't live. It's the least relevant and interesting thing, but it's driving me insane, Matt. So, is it is it cold again now? It is. It's cold again now. Buddy, I don't know. I don't know anymore. I just don't know. It's wild up there in those parts. It is. The parts are wild. And I don't believe I will see the sun again. <laughs> the the 80 degree tease is really... That, that sucks. Fully I, 80 degree... Matt, I went for a walk. I... I so I shouldn't say that. Uh, I took I took biscuit for a WALK. If you know what I mean. Uh huh. Uh huh. And uh, we we went around the park, had a great little little walk, and people were playing soccer, playing softball, just hanging out. Two teens just fully making out on a bench, like right there in front of God and everybody. Yeah. In the way that you can really only do in high school. Right. Right. Just like uncomfortably close, and I was like, "Right, yeah, we've all been inside for eight months." But but no, Matt, that's that's not what happened at all. It was I was a fool, and I was fooled. Let me ask you a question, Chris. Because yeah, buddy, my experience with this kind of weather is in Chicago, where. April is, in fact, the cruelest month because it does tease you with warm weather for a day or two, but it stays cold. It doesn't actually get warm and feel like springtime until late April, early May, typically. Do people in Minnesota do the thing they do in Chicago where as soon as the temperature gets over like 55, they're wearing shorts? Oh, yeah. Fully. Yeah, yeah. I do it. <laughs> I saw someone the other day when I did like risk a, a walk. This was like about a, a little less than a month ago. Um, I saw someone walking around with like fully like a parka on, but also Daisy Dukes. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, hell yeah, dog, get it. <laughs> you do you evoke it. If it's not going to be summer, we will have to do something to evoke summer. You gotta summon it. You gotta. You gotta will it into being. I'm fucking faking it until I'm making it right now, buddy. That's a good plan. It, it, this this winter time is killing me. But one day, one day, I must. I have to believe that I will know the sun again. Matt, what what are you up to? Well, Chris, I was one of those people. I was one of those people who had the horrible experience last Sunday night of sitting down in front of Netflix and trying to watch the Love is Blind reunion special live when it completely shat the bed and did not air live at all that night. Like, Marlene and I had watched the entire season of Love is Blind she is on Love is Blind TikTok. She is hearing all the theories. She, <laughs> she is hearing all the people th- like 
constructing ideas of what is going on behind the scenes between people on that show. And also like doing some wild shit where they're like tracking down someone who wasn't even like a cast member on that show. They were just a friend of someone who was on that show and like tracking down their personal Instagram account and stuff. And I'm like, leave this lady alone, please. <laughs> like I understand that they're on TV. So they, are a public figure to a degree, but they are just a person who showed up for a wedding. Please leave this lady alone, no matter what you think she did. Okay? Please. Anyway, the thing didn't air live, and I was seeing people like complain about how terrible it was that it wasn't airing live, and they weren't getting answers to their questions and stuff. And it was like... We're a weirdly exciting experience to see like the real time reactions to this live event on Netflix. I believe Netflix Netflix's first ever attempt at a live event completely fall apart. So they taped the show that night and then put it up as a recorded show the next day. But what I did see anybody talking about, and what I would like to discuss here, is how unbelievably boring the show that ultimately went up was like for all that anticipation for all that build-up for all that excitement people had to watch this live reunion the show that went up was 90 minutes of just the most boring rambly weird content i have seen as part of that show fucking vanessa lachey Asking everybody when they're going to have a baby. And then anytime anyone is confronted with their bad behavior, they just ramble for five minutes and say nothing. Okay. You know, that's that's what I do, honestly. (laughs) Well, it's it's all this stuff where it's just like, I'm growing and I'm getting better. And I I acknowledge that what I – like, it's just rambly – like vague sort of kind of therapy speak, but not really. And man, like again, for that amount of buildup and that amount of like anticipation for a live event to be that dull, like there was one big thing that people were talking about online that happened during the season that like, I know Marlene was really waiting for the reunion special to address where it was like this one guy said no at the altar. And then he went to go see his fiance afterward. And she like told him to leave. And then a bunch of people were standing in the doorway and there was a bridesmaid at the wedding who was standing in the doorway And people were convinced that they saw him, as he was walking out the door, like, put his hand out and touch her on the butt. To which she reacted positively. So she was the person that people were, like, tracking down her Instagram. And it's like, don't do this to this lady. (laughs) But anyway, they, they asked him what was happening there. And he just said, that didn't happen. And they just moved on. Netflix, next time you do a live event... Next time you try to do a live event, make it interesting. That's all I'm saying. Two very relatable checks. 
Right in our usual wheelhouse. Yes. What do you have to recommend, Chris? Matt, I, I'm late. This is a late to the party one. Okay. This is a classic, classic War Rocket Ajax. Chris and Matt buy video games on sale. Uh-huh. Chris might buy them often, but but they are on sale. <laughs> I got I got money back from uh, Joseph Robinette Biden, Matt, and I was like, maybe maybe I'll buy a full price video game. Mm. Maybe mm. things will just get wild in here. We'll see. We'll see. But that's not what I did this time. I did not buy a full price video game. I bought a game that's been out for a while. A game that you're probably familiar with just from you and I watch a lot of the same uh, like content creators on YouTube uh, who talk about video games but don't try and radicalize you into white nationalism. That's our whole jam uh, as as fans of things. It's a, it's a real constantly dodging bullets of can I watch this YouTube video? If I do watch this YouTube video, will I have to delete it from my watch history because it uh-huh. will start recommending me, yeah, things that are trying to radicalize me. Yeah, c- Bingo. Yeah. Bingo, buddy. Uh, that is, that's the big fear that I think you and I have. But a lot of the people who we do like have talked about this game, and I'm sure people are very familiar with it. Uh, but it's not a game that I thought I would like until I decided to take a chance and see what it was all about and that is darkest dungeon that is a uh a roguelike yes sort of i mean like there is some there is some procedural generation in the the dungeons that you go to it is mostly a management sim (laughs) Uh, the premise of this is uh it is a very dark, atmospheric, gothic uh, dungeon crawler, essentially, like a turn-based RPG, uh, where you, as the caretaker of a an estate that is riddled with spooky locales, need to send adventurers off into dungeons. Uh, they go into the dungeons, they fight monsters, they complete objectives, and they, you know, they do all the dungeon crawling stuff. Mm-hmm. All, the, all yeah. the adventuring stuff that you love. They also are fucking miserable about it all the time. Right. Uh, they incur stress from being in the dungeons with these monsters uh, being attacked. Uh, they get diseases. I had a guy who was already a fucking leper. That's his character class. He got syphilis and the runs in one trip through a dungeon. That's bad all over. You yeah, got it bad all over if you got all that stuff. Yeah, buddy. I would say I, I should have just like dismissed him, but he was unfortunately a high level character. The deal is when they come back, they have the the stress persists. So you have to do activities in town. Like you have to assign them to activities like going to a bar or gambling or praying or meditating to ease their stress. But some of them develop personality quirks where, like, oh, this person is a compulsive gambler. He'll only gamble. Uh, he won't do anything but gamble to relieve stress. Uh, and you can remove those by sending them to the sanitarium and having them treated. But there's only so many spots, and a lot of people got fucking problems. 
so you are the the kind of real meat of the game is this thing where you're trying to manage this cast of adventurers in such a way where you can minimize the inevitable bad things that are happening to them while keeping them just good enough to keep going and fighting. Cause you also just have a limited number of adventures you can have. Yeah. You can make improvements uh, and they can level up, but they're never leveled up enough that it's not dangerous to send them on a mission. Uh, Cause one bad turn can just fuck up their whole day. Uh, it is, like I said, it is mostly a management simulation game with uh, some turn-based RPG elements to it, which is actually pretty fun. Like, it's it's very addictive. I've already abandoned my first playthrough and started the second one because now I have a better idea of how to do this. But it is a game that, like, when you start it up, it says, hey, this is a game that's about failure. You're going to fail a lot. That is by design. You are supposed to make the best of the terrible situation you're in. And I appreciate it being upfront about that. Uh, Because it feels unfair, but it never feels like it's cheating. So, Darkest Dungeon. Uh, I also got the uh, expansions. One of them is a multiplayer expansion. uh, But one of, like, a couple of them add new character classes. Uh, The the Flagellant is in there. Uh, He's a real... Seems like a real charmer. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, if you're going to try it out and you haven't tried it out already, get them nuns. Get the You need you need to send a nun with every group. They're the only ones who can cast the healing magic. Matt, what are you recommending to the people this week? My recommendation, Chris, is a movie that you can watch on Huey Lewis Streaming Service. I believe it is only streaming on Hulu. So if you have Hulu, uh, you can go check this out there. It uh, is a movie called Triangle of Sadness. That was a, it was an Oscar nominated, like best picture nominee. And don't be put off by the sort of pretentious title. It's like a movie directed by a Swedish director. It's very kind of like European, even though it's got a multinational cast. But, and Chris, I don't know if it's a movie you would like, but I will say if you want to see horrible, horrible rich people really having a bad time, good Lord, is that movie great. I do like that. I did like one of my least favorite things in movies is when horrible people don't have a, a bad time. Yeah. So 2022 was a very interesting year for for movies. And it was especially a very interesting year for movies that specifically were about horrible rich people on a boat. Because, you know, Glass Onion put horrible rich people on a boat, who then went to an island. The Menu put horrible rich people on a boat, who then went to an island. Triangle of Sadness is the most movie about horrible rich people on a boat that then go to an island. Essentially, what happens in this movie is there's this like luxury cruise. Well, first, there's like some scenes between this 
couple, this young influencer couple. Uh, but then it transitions into being about these horrible, horrible rich people on a boat that is captained by Woody Harrelson, who is a socialist. So he gets into philosophical arguments with a Russian oligarch, like an actual Russian oligarch. <laughs> about whether socialism or capitalism is better but everyone else like everyone on the boat gets like horrible food poisoning then they get stranded on an island that turns into a lord of the flies situation that is that is the plot of the movie and it is maybe the least subtle satire i think i've ever seen it is an incredible movie. Like if you can stomach some of the gross stuff that is in the movie and there is some gross stuff in it as in like people getting like throwing up and stuff. Um, it is like cathartic to watch this movie. Just put the worst possible rich assholes through a really, really, really bad time. <laughs> it's actually great. Um, it's called Triangle of Sadness because the lead character is a model uh, who, like, in the one of the first scenes of the movie, he's, like, auditioning for a modeling job, and somebody mentions that his Triangle of Sadness looks, uh, makes him look old. Which, I think it's, like, the triangle between your eyebrows. That they call the Triangle of Sadness. Okay. Yeah. So that's why the title is what it is. And I feel like the title is the reason people wouldn't want to watch the movie. But I think people absolutely should. It is quite the journey that that movie takes you on. And those are our checks and wrecks, Chris. Which means it's time to talk about some comics. What do you say? Let's do it. There is no winner of the Texture's Choice this week. We didn't text each other about any comics, but the comic you were most excited to talk about, Chris, was Superman number three. Yeah, man. This is a good run of Superman. Three issues in, we've had a bunch of really fun stuff. We've set up a new status quo. We've gotten creative uses for some well-established Superman villains. Uh, like, the Parasite creating little tiny airborne parasites uh, was great, but also using Livewire as what is essentially a bug zapper, also great. The, the relationship between Superman and Jimmy and Lois is really good. The whole Superman family hanging out and having breakfast is, is really great. And Superman and Lex's dynamic is really fantastic. You know what it reminds me of? The Superman and Lex situation in this book? What's that? It's like Peter and Norman in Amazing Spider-Man right now. It is now. exactly like Peter and Norman in Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. Except for we know Lex is still bad. <laughs> True, yeah. Like, Lex hasn't, like, that's the thing. Lex hasn't gotten good. He's just, like, decided to help. And you know he has his own end. But there's a thing that happens in this issue, and I've already spoiled Livewire being a bug zapper, so I might as well talk about this. Superman giving Lex a signal watch. That's my shit, dude. That's my shit. 
It's pretty good. Yeah. It is um, so nice to read this comic and be like, man, Joshua Williamson. That guy, that guy's great. Not to mention Jamal Campbell. I mean, I am going to mention oh, Jamal Campbell. So good. So good. Wow. Like, blows me away every issue uh, with with his work. But if I have one complaint about this book, it's this. It's almost moving too fast. Because one thing that happens early on in this issue, like the Parasite stuff is dealt with, like, with half the issue left. You know what I'm saying? Like, the plot is disposed of so that we can do more status quo setup, which I don't mind. But, so there's a whole thing where Superman inhales a bunch of little microscopic parasites. So he becomes Parasite Superman. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite things is, like, he's still Superman. So even though he's infected by Parasite, the first thing he does is go to Lex and then go to Star Labs so he can use Livewire's bait for all the Parasites and also uh, get himself back to normal. But you have to infer as a reader that Superman gets rid of the parasite parasites inside of him by putting on a contain a super corp containment containment suit because he just goes from being parasite Superman to back to normal Superman. Well, he he lure he lures them out with the live wire bug zapper. Oh, that's right. He's you see them coughing him, cough, coughing them up at one point. I don't feel like I feel like that goes by too fast. But of all the complaints to have, I'd much rather have this book is going too fast than this book is going at a snail's pace and doddering along. So, of all the complaints to have, you know, I don't think. It's, this book's going too fast is a bad one to have. Yeah. G- given our discussions of uh, of Dark Crisis, the book that never seemed to start. Yeah. I- I'll take a book that goes too fast any day of the week, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Superman. It's good. Speaking of books that are good, Amazing Spider-Man number 24. I am fairly sure that this issue is and has been generating some discussion. And I will say, if I didn't have 23 issues of established trust on this run of Amazing Spider-Man, several things that happened in this issue would make me uncertain about the direction we were going in here. Because, Chris, what's the first thing that happens in this issue? Spider-Man steals from the Fantastic Four. Yes. Like, Ben Grimm is trying to eat a midnight snack, and he catches Spider-Man stealing the mini-fusion reactor from uh, the Baxter building. And, like... Again, if I didn't have a bunch of goodwill already generated for this book, I'd be like, Spider-Man stealing? Like, he'd find another way to do it. What are we doing here? You know? 
But I think this is Zebwell's trying to establish that, like, this is Peter at his most desperate. Because he knows Mary Jane in a place, is in a place where time moves differently than it does for him. Moves faster than it does for him. So Peter goes to Norman and goes back to the other dimension where Mary Jane is, where she has been for years now of her time. And we see that she has met the man who is now her husband in like the present continuity and the big reveal at the end of the issue. And I'm going to spoil it for everybody is that those kids are her kids. Yeah. Those kids that we didn't know whose kids they were. Those are Mary Jane's kids. Yeah. Because she's Uh, been stuck in this other dimension for, you know, five or six years at this point. At at least because like those, she didn't just decide the day Peter left that she was going to go have some kids, you know? Right. Uh, I like that. She's like full Linda Hamilton, Mary Jane Watson. with a little (laughs) headband on. Yeah. I feel like people will be tempted to compare this story to sin's past. Where, you know, there's that re- there's this reveal that Gwen Stacy had p- kids that Peter didn't know about. But the difference is, this makes sense. <laughs> and the dad isn't Norman Osborne. So I don't have any problem with this at all, and I'm very curious about where the story's going. Yeah, me too. Uh, one last book we're going to talk about, Chris, is Hallow's Eve number two, another book you were very excited to discuss. Yeah, uh, I just want to say, like, we, we talked about the first issue of this book. We talked about Hallow's Eve showing up in Dark Web uh, and how much we love that and how great uh, Hallow's Eve's powers are. I just want to say, this is the issue where Hallow's Eve says ACAB, which is great. Thumbs up. 10 out of 10. No notes. Great book. Specifically, she, among her masks that she has in her bag, she has one that's a cop. And she's like, I don't want to wear this. But she has to, to get out of a sticky situation. Um, This is, once again, written by Erica Schultz, with art by Michael Dowling. And uh, the other thing that I'll note about this issue is that, remember when we talked about the first issue, Chris, how... She just, like, turned a dude into a werewolf. Yeah. This issue is all about the fallout of her turning a dude into a werewolf, which... (laughs) A plus. It's very good. Ah, very good. All right, Chris, that is it for our comic segment, which means it's time to take some questions from our listeners. What do you say? Let's do it. Chris, our first question comes to us from Ty underscore Jarris on Twitter, who wants to know what are the best and worst Fantastic Four runs? Well, I mean, like, it's very hard to beat the Lee Kirby Fantastic Four. A lot of that stuff really holds up. For me, the run that comes closest is Wade and Moringa. The, the Wade run is really good. 
it's so weird that like I feel like we have talked a lot on this show about how a lot of people seem to have a really hard time with getting the Fantastic Four right, but there's in our lifetime, like in the past twenty years, there have been a lot of really good runs on FF. Wade and Ringo, yeah. uh, Dwayne McDuffie and Paul Pelletier did a really good run. Hickman, Hickman yeah, uh, the Fraction stuff with uh, the Future Foundation. The, uh, the Fraction, was... the, the Fraction stuff is short. It it is oddly truncated, but good for what for what you have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and now we're getting uh, now we're getting the Ryan North stuff, which has been really entertaining. Uh, I would say, like, if you're looking for an underrated run, the Simonson run, no one talks about, except me. <laughs> except, I don't know, no one talked about it, like, 15 years ago when we were all doing comics blogs. Yeah, I think that was during the time period where it was, like... You, you know how, like, there was a time period in, like, the 80s when Kirby wasn't cool? Mm-hmm. I think there was, like, that time period where... Simonson, even Simonson's Thor, it was weirdly not cool to talk about because it wasn't far enough in the past yet. But hopefully we're to the point where we can talk about, you know, we can have that sufficient nostalgia for not just Simonson's Thor, but other Simonson work as well. As far as worst Fantastic Four runs... I read a lot of those Chris Claremont Fantastic Four comics. Literally, what I was about to say, bud. Yeah, that stuff is 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 no bueno. It's just too complicated. It's and, just and too complicated. Too complicated, and yet, like, what happens in it? <laughs> like, Valeria gets older. I, I that much I remember. Or Valeria comes back from the future. I think is what it is. And she's using the name Valeria Von Doom. That's the main thing I remember from that run. And that's kind of cool. But, like, it do- it doesn't work out cool like you want it to. True. True. Yeah, man. I don't know. Like, that. surely that's not the worst run of FF. But it's... It might be up there. It's the that worst. That one where Sue wears that costume you don't like is better than you think. <laughs> <laughs> listeners the one with the, you the listeners don't like the one with the boob window yeah it's there's there's look it's not good but there is an in-story reason for that it's not quite on the level of people missing the metatextual reason for the new fantastic four and how that rules actually but it is they, they, there is a reason the claremont run is the worst long run on Fantastic Four that I can think of. I think it is, yeah. The the one we haven't mentioned is John Byrne, which is no better or worse than people consider it to be. It might be yeah. a little worse, but it's, I mean, it's pretty good. It's, I personally, and I'm not just saying this because it's like fashionable and correct to uh, diss John Byrne uh, these days. Uh, this is a legit feeling. There's a lot of John Byrne comics I really like. Uh, none of the, from the past, like, say, 25 years or so. Uh, well, I guess probably ever since he vanished in the Bermuda Triangle on mm, that yeah. boat after, uh, doing 
uh, Galactus Darkside, the hunger. There was that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I find a lot of the burn FF really boring when it is not about Dr. Doom. When it's about Dr. Doom, it's fucking great. When it's not about Dr. Doom, I really don't care. And also, that is the worst Johnny Storm haircut. (laughs) I don't know if this is what it was called. Uh, When I used to work at the comic shop, uh, we called it the skateboard sling. That's funny. It's, It's rough. It's bad. This is a question from our Discord from Meriwether. What do you wish more people would ask you about? I don't know. Like I, I feel like this is a this is a good question for th- this is the question I always want to ask as an interviewer because so many times and you you recently did this, Matt. You know that when you are talking about a project, uh, you get asked the same things over and over, which is why our conversations with people that we know a little bit better are always so weird because I want them to have fun. But I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't know. I would love to talk more about Star Trek. Sure. I mean, the the thing that I tend to feel like is the best thing to ask people about, even if we don't know them all that well as an interviewer, is, hey, what do you like? Like, don't just tell me about like the plot of your project, and don't just tell me about you know who the characters are. But tell me how it reflects what you like, and then and then you're off to the races, you know, because you're talking about once you get somebody talking about the stuff that they like and the stuff that influenced them, all the doors are open, you know. So that that's that, that's the question I I like to ask people to get beyond just like. What was it like coming up with ideas? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I like talking about the things that I like. And I like talking to people about the things that they like. Yes. You know, that's always the most fun stuff. That's how I think you get people excited to talk. Is, you know, you're like, hey, fucking Grant Morrison rules, right? And then we all, you know, we're off talking about our favorite Morrison books. Yeah, to exactly. use a very real example from this very show. Now that said, I, by virtue of having done this show for thirteen years, I have talked a lot about what I like. So personally, I kind of wish more people would ask about my novel Supreme Villainy, which I never got to talk about with anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but. So it goes. Uh, Here's another one from Twitter. Going back to Claremont from uh, Ninpf, N-I-N-P-F on Twitter. What is the best thing Chris Claremont has written since leaving X-Men the first time with X-Men number three? All right. We talked about his Fantastic Four run. Yeah. And the the stuff where he came back to X-Men. Like He's uh, not the best. What was that? What was what was his comeback book called? I I want to say it was called Extreme X Men. Extreme X Men. That's right. Yeah, that's the one that I inked some of one time. I I don't know why I thought it was called X Men Forever. Didn't he write a book called X Men Forever? 
Uh, I think Byrne did X Men Forever. He did X Men Forever two. <laughs> of course he did. Yeah, FF wasn't great. That wasn't great. Sovereign Seven wasn't great. I'm just running through a mental catalog of Claremont stuff. There's got to be something. There's got to be something, man. Mechanics. No, that wasn't very good either. That was Kitty Pride book. Yeah, he wrote uh, King Size Conan in 2020. I bet it's pretty good. I bet if he did, like, if he did like a story and a Conan book, I bet it was pretty good. Yeah, I haven't read it, so I don't know. He wrote ten issues of Exiles in 2007, 2008. He came back to Excalibur in the mid 2000s. Oh. You know what the best thing Claremont wrote was after leaving X-Men? The jail run where they fought a a vampire named Crucifer? I mean, that's maybe. But my personal choice is Contest of Champions 2. Yes, actually. Yeah. That's actually fun. Yeah. That was 1999. That That was the one that had the brood in it. Yeah, that was that was fun. That was a fun book. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm choosing who wrote an X Men story with the Brood in it. Mm-hmm. And for a second, I still thought you meant Edge Christian and Gangrel. Love that! Love that music. That music kicks ass. Uh, all right. Here's another one from Twitter. This is from, or I'm sorry, it's from Discord. Uh, this is from Rogue Ace eighty five. Seeing as how the Movie Fighters logo is an homage to the Shaw Brothers logo, and you guys are noted fans, what is each of your favorite Shaw Brothers movies? Kid with the Golden Arm. Five Deadly Venoms, baby. Mm, yeah. Easy. Easy. I here's what I love about uh, Shaw Brothers movies. Every one of them, like, has been referenced by Wu Tang Clan in some way. Yes, the flag of iron, iron flag, the album, great. Uh, but yeah, it's, for me, I it's got to be Five Deadly Venoms. I wish uh, Seven Golden Vampires, the Shaw Brothers Hammer Studios collab, was better. Yeah, a lot of those movies are good though. A lot of those if, movies are good. Do yourself a favor and go watch. Where I don't know where they are available to watch. I think they might be on Mubi. Uh, go, go watch those Shaw Brothers movies. Our buddy Ben, Friends Ferdinand 2, asks on Twitter, what are both of your biggest pop culture blind spots? Not necessarily something you avoided, just something you never really engaged with. I never fucked with like Battlestar Galactica. I never saw the original show. I liked the the reboot, like the the Edward James Olmos version. Yeah, I, I never watched either. I mean, it got kind of bad by the end, and it's very post nine eleven. Like in hindsight, I don't know if I could go back and watch the two thousand five. Is that when that reboot started? Uh, whatever. 
the new Battlestar Galactica whenever it started. I don't know that I could go back and watch it now because it is 2004. It is in such a deep entrenched post 9-11, like the Cylons are terrorists <laughs> milieu. <laughs> uh, it, I, it, it would hit different now. Um, but my pick for this, and now it sounds like I'm bragging, but literally it was just a thing I never engaged with in any way. I never read any of the books. I only ever saw the last movie because people were watching it and it just, I just skated off of it, uh, is Harry Potter. I'd never got into any Harry Potter thing at all. Like I, you, you had you had the sense you knew you knew that shit was gonna break bad. I guess, like I, I, I think I was just of the mindset of like, I'm a little too old for it. Like even though people my age were reading the books and stuff, yeah, but I read them. Like, you know, I, I in my head, I, it wasn't like I was like, that's kid stuff. It was more just like, eh, those are books for teenagers, and teenagers can have them. You know, like it, like it just never. I, I don't know. It never connected with me. So that that's mine. And again, I'm not bragging. <laughs> the, folks, the man hates whimsy. <laughs> don't know what to tell you. Here's a question from Tom on our Discord: Which Grunwald character who didn't get over should have? Armadillo, probably. I mean, Armadillo was written to be... A, a, a true beta cock. <laughs> like, depressing and sad, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I don't think Grunwald was trying to get Armadillo over. Honestly. I mean, the, I answer, mean, is, the answer is Diamondback. The answer is Diamondback. I feel like Diamondback was never as over as she should be. Yeah. But Diamondback, Diamondback was a B plus player at least. Like Diamondback just goes back to like being kind of a villain a lot of the time. Well, they they do bring back Bad Girls Inc. Other creators do bring back Bad Girls Inc. Which is funny because Bad Girls Inc. lasts for like two issues. Mm-hmm. And Diamondback but, leaves. Yeah. Diamondback leaves Bad Girls Inc. as soon as she gets drowned. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you say that like getting drowned is not a good reason to do something. No, it is a good reason, but it's just like Diamondback was not a a member of Bad Girls Inc. for a long time. Um, That's true. But I just think Diamondback, like Diamondback should have been like the new rogue, you know? Yeah, Diamondback's great. Like the villain who reforms and becomes like a hero who is or not rogue 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 started as a villain right yeah rogue was a villain yeah so yeah i'm right she should have been the new rogue but instead she just like shows up as kind of like sort of kind of a member of the serpent society now you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like she, she should be a way bigger character in marvel comics diamondback's great actually Put her in a movie. She should be in a movie. 
listen, Kevin Feige, I know you're listening. Put her in a movie. Uh, Zabara the Poet on Twitter wants to know, which Marvel character would you like to see Galactus's mom, Taya, team up with next? Diamondback. <laughs> that's, that's the couple we need. The, the two hot girls with, with cool pink hair. It's true. That would be good. I want Galactus's hot mom to just to be in a very specific sense the Dick Grayson of the Marvel Universe. Here's my question. Because Taya Taya's whole deal, as far as like her speech pattern, is like she speaks like Jack Kirby caption boxes, right? She speaks like a Jack Kirby character from the 70s. Yeah, but but in particular, it's like Jack Kirby narration, where like yeah, so but, many I mean, things are in quotation marks and things. Yeah, but people do talk like that in those yeah. books. Like, like sure. the New Gods throw around a lot of quotes. Who is the most Jack Kirby, like that type of Jack Kirby character in Marvel Comics? Because I want to put her with those characters. I mean, fucking Devil Dinosaur. Yeah, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, like, who are the, like, it's, it would have to be somebody who was part of the Kirby return in 76, which is like Cap, the Eternals, who we don't really care about, uh, and fucking Devil Dinosaur, who rules. It's, it, she should team up with Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Hell yeah. Yeah. That that would rule. Uh, back to our Discord. This question uh, is from Brad Lathspell. This is a philosophical one. What kind of man am I, and what will become of me as I pass through the fires of this turbulent era of transformative trauma and revelation? Matt Sidebar. Mm-hmm. Okay, I feel like I know what that's that's. I should know what that's from. Yeah, I, I feel I, like I should know what that's from. I, I'm just, I'm just googling it. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the thing where I put the uh, turbulent fires through, through the fires of this turbulent era of transformative trauma. Yeah, put, put it in quotes. Put it in quotes. Yeah, yeah. Um, nothing came up. I don't okay. think it's a quote. Do you think? Do you think he's just like going through a hard time? I. I mean, it is like we said. We are recording on four twenty, so he might have he might have sparked one and is having, you know, the the deep thoughts, like or like an existential crisis. But I mean, like that's DC has to do a book called Existential Crisis at some point, right? You would think so. I, it's kind of amazing they haven't yet. Or is that just like my ongoing relationship with Detective Comics Comics? I mean, I think it's a little column A, a little column B. A little column A, a little column B, yeah. I um, think I have an answer for him. I think I have an answer for him. Okay. All right, all right. side by over. Oh, hang in there, buddy. <laughs> Here's a question from Tales to Enrage on Twitter. If you could draft one DC villain to Marvel and vice versa, who were your picks? A DC villain to Marvel. The body doubles. 
Okay, okay, yeah. The body doubles would get over at Marvel. <laughs> the but the the fucking AEW crowd when the body doubles music hits, they would get over. I think you're right, yeah. Cause they're like Cause they they seem like Marvel they're two models who are murderous bounty hunters on the side when they're not being professionally hot. That's such a Marvel Comics idea. True, true. You can imagine them fighting... You can imagine them fighting Spider-Man so much more easily than you can imagine them fighting Batman. (laughs) Uh, I would make DC and Marvel trade Mr. Mix's Pitlick and Impossible Man. Eh, See, I don't... Like, I don't... I'll be real with you, man. I don't fuck with Impossible Man. (laughs) (laughs) I've never really, like, enjoyed that dude. I mean, he's just the Marvel. I, the reason I said that is because they're the Marvel. They're the Marvel and DC versions of each other, just like you know, troublemaking imps. And it's funny to me to trade them. All right, are we ready? Ready for our next question, Chris? I th- don't. Should shouldn't it be like two different people though? Oh yes, it should. But I, I, you know, I'm going to go with a funny answer. Oh, what what was your funny answer? Impossible man, Mister Mixpilic. Was it though? All right, fine. I'm, I'm moving on. To you, I feel bad about it. Honestly, I'm moving on to the next question. This is from David L on our Discord. Did you keep up with the third season of Picard? And what did you think? Uh yeah, actually. Um, enough people told me I should watch season three of Picard that I watched season three of Picard, uh, or at least most of it at this point. Um, season three of Picard is good, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've heard. I, I mean, the first two seasons dare you to keep watching. The, yeah, I, could, I couldn't do the second one. I couldn't. But, but the, well, the third season is like, hey, here's all your friends. Yeah, it's it's just next generation season eight. It's as as I understand it. Yeah, it really is. Uh, and I'll tell, I'll tell you what, Michael Dorn, Silver Fox Wharf, looking good. And I love that there is like they were like, yes, here's the canon reason Data looks old now. <laughs> Oh, what what was the explanation? Because I I oh. saw like a picture of the cast, and I was like, D- Data is an old android. What what is up with that? Uh, you know how Picard got like a super advanced synthetic body that'll like age and die naturally. He just won't die of the thing that he had. Okay. Um, the scientist, the descendant of uh, Nunian Sung who builds the new data body, builds him a body that will age, and then puts data lore B4 and fucking lol all in the brain. Oh, so he's everybody at once. Yeah. Wow, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Dark Entries DJD. I might have to watch Picard Season 3, actually. It's, I mean, it's a pretty fun time. There's going to be some shit that you don't care about, but Worf does show up in that section of the story. And meanwhile, the, the, look, there's a guy who, like, they finally do what they clearly wanted to do with Wesley in Season 1, which is that he's Picard's son. Okay. But it's not Wesley. There's a new 
Picard's son, who does kind of look like a young Patrick Stewart, but I wish they would have gotten Tom Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I... Uh, t- do they try to follow up on anything from the previous two seasons, or is it just yeah, like... Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of builds on it, uh, okay. but like not in a way that you really need to watch. Okay, great. Dark Entries DJD on, uh, on Twitter wants to know, what are your thoughts on the Spider-Mobile? Are you for it or against it? Any stories featuring it that you would recommend? Extremely pro. Extremely pro. People love to shit on the Spider-Mobile. As if the people writing the comics didn't know it was a joke. They it they were kidding. Folks, learn to recognize a joke. <laughs> the Spider-Mobile is a joke. Yeah, it's a joke. And it's funny. Yes. Like, if you think that it was put... The, this is the problem. This was the problem with fucking Wizard Magazine, with their like Mort of the Month shit. Mm-hmm. Which I will admit that in my early days of internet writing about comedy and comics, I continued that tradition with like here are the ten lamest comic supervillains or whatever. But like so much of that stuff, looking for like morts of the month or things to make fun of in comics. All of that stuff was done under the impression that comics were completely serious. Yeah. That they weren't in on the joke. Yes. And the whole thing is that it's a gag for super, for Spider-Man to have a toyetic car. Yeah. That's the bit y'all. Like, J- Jerry Conway was not a dumbass who thought it would be a great serious idea to give Spider-Man a car. <laughs> yeah, and it's very funny that Peter Parker, who canonically cannot drive, yes, has a fucking dune buggy that can go up walls just somewhere. Like, that dude's got to pay a storage unit for that. Yeah, he's he's given the Spider-Mobile by an advertising agency. Yeah. It's a goof, y'all. Uh, to read Amazing Spider-Man number 130, the the issue where it debuts. And you'll see that it's a joke. Yeah. And I will get off my soapbox now. Chris Kaiser on Discord wants to know... The Kai? Where would you say The Kais. Where would you say Nancy ranks among the best comic strips of all time? Uh, at the top. I think... The only comic strips that kind of rival it, maybe there's only one. Maybe it's just Peanuts. Yeah, but I feel like, well, if we're talking about, if we're talking about the Ernie Bushmiller Nancy and the Olivia James Nancy and nothing in between, yeah, yeah, there's 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 some years there where things are pretty pretty dire for old Nancy. I mean. Most of the years that we would have been reading Nancy comic strips in the newspaper, Nancy was bad. Yeah. But really old Nancy and the newest Nancy is as good as comic strips get. Yeah. Ernie Bushmiller Nancy is pretty friggin' untouchable. It's in the tier. 
if we were tier ranking comic strips, S tier would be Nancy minus Guy Gilchrist, Peanuts, Calvin and Hobbes probably, and Farside. Those would be my S tier comic strips. Yeah. I mean, that's a good set. Also, 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 Dick Tracy, uh, the Joe Staten era, like the current era of Dick Tracy is fucking great. Yeah, it's good. Uh, Baolisk on Twitter wants to know, what's the best variant of Mountain Dew? Baja Blast? Code Red. Game Fuel? (laughs) My legit answer is Code Red. It's the only one that I think is drinkable. And I like cherry flavor. But cherry lemon sundrop is better. You can only you can just only get it in certain places. Do you have a legit yeah, answer, Chris? Or are you just naming Baja Blast, I guess? You okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, like I don't I mean I don't fuck like I I'll drink a Mountain Dew every now and then. Like, I don't think I've done one in the calendar years 2022 or 2023. Yeah. Or 2021. Yeah. But, like, I would, like, if you gave me a Mountain Dew right now, I mean, not right now, because it's, it's quarter to ten, but, like, I'd probably drink a Mountain Dew if, if I have one. I, I don't, I couldn't even tell you when the last time I had a Mountain Dew was. I'm, I'm a Sundrop partisan. Yeah, well, I can't get that here. I, I thought I would think you should. I, it went national. I would think you should be able to get it somewhere around you. But I, I remember when Sundrop went national and they had those really, really awful commercials. Terrible commercials. Terrible. Just like embarrassing. Drop it like they, they use. Drop it like it's hot. Uh-huh. And, um, and I remember we lived in Chicago when that happened. And so when I would buy a twelve pack of Sundrop from. The lo- the Julasco. People would see that I had a twelve pack of Sundrop because I would have to walk home with my groceries because I didn't have a car, and they would see I was carrying that box. And the only thing they knew Sundrop from was those ads. That's and so they'd be tragic. like, "Drop it like it's hot, Sundrop," and I was like, "Ugh, <laughs> why would you do this to me?" To you specifically, yes. Rough, buddy. Uh, Jolene, number one Betty Kane fan on uh, our Discord, wants to know, has Chris tried Romancevania at all? And if so, what are the thoughts on Dating Sim Metroidvania Dracula game? I did. I tried it. Uh, but because I was a Kickstarter backer, obviously. I was all about it. Um, I liked the intro, but there was a bug on launch day that affected specifically how it played on the steam deck, which is how I, I got it. And so I haven't gone back to it yet. Uh, I was kind of waiting to like, I, I believe they did push through a patch that, that fixed it. I just didn't uh, reinstall it uh, or go back to it. So I'm interested to try. I'm sure you will hear about it on, uh, on the show. I did like that after you play through the tutorial, you can decide if you want to play a, uh, a uh, male presenting or female presenting Dracula, which is nice. But, uh, I, I worry 
that the Metroidvania aspect of it isn't going to be as good as I want it to be. Because I really... The reason I haven't written a uh, Castlemania in a while is because I haven't found like a really good one that I'm like, fuck yeah, this is it. This is the jam. <laughs> so I was hoping that that would work. Uh, here's a tweet from Stone Cold HCC, an account that exists only to ask questions on War Rocket Ajax. And Chris, there is a visual element to this tweet. But his question is, would y'all ever put one of these on your vehicle? I did. Okay. And here's here's what he tweeted at us. Okay. Uh, I I have to uh, copy the the link and send it to you. There now, what, it is. Uh, what kind of car do you drive? You you got that F three fifty, right? <laughs> uh, I drive a twenty fifteen Toyota Prius. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> Chris, Chris just saw the drawing. He's not laughing at my car. <laughs> no, that's um. Hey, thank you, Stone Cold. <laughs> thank you. So the 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 image is peeing Calvin, the peeing Calvin we all know and love, peeing on the phrase "other podcasts besides War Rocket Ajax." Very good. Very good. Uh, so, ha- have you or would you put that on your car, Chris? I mean, yeah, hell yeah, that would. Like, I have a rule against pissing Calvin, but that one, that one, I would maybe do. Hey, I keep seeing a video on YouTube get recommended to me that's called "The Truth About Peeing Calvin," and. I've been tempted to watch it many times, but it's from a creator that I don't know who he is. We talked about being worried about the algorithm trying to radicalize us. Mm -hmm. So if you, listener, have seen the video, The Truth About Peeing Calvin, and you think it's good, let me know, and I'll watch it. Because I do want to know where that came from. I mean, like... like I mean, you know the basics. It's like, it's a a panel of Calvin like deviously plotting something that someone like redrew with the pants down to make him look like he was pissing. I mean, I don't is is it even a Bill Watterson drawing of Calvin, or is it just a totally? Is it, or is it like those Bart all those Bart T shirts where he was dunking or whatever? <laughs> I would I wish I could get those shirts now. <laughs> oh, what a time. The early 90s was such a time for bootleg merchandise. No, it actually is from a Calvin and Hobbes strip. Uh it is he's filling up a water balloon is what okay. it is. Okay. Uh and it's been it's been redrawn. And obviously Bill Watterson famously was against merchandising, so right. the, it, all of them are bootlegs. Well, it's like people who didn't live through it don't understand the world of early '90s bootleg merchandise. Yeah, man, it, it was a wild time. The number of T-shirts with Tweety Bird on them. 
that were just not licensed. Unbelievable. Like, I, you, that thing that became a meme where it's Bud's, Bugs Bunny saying, like, like holding that gun. You know that meme <laughs> where Bugs Bunny has the gun? What? No, I don't. Matt, you're, you, you always have the hottest and freshest memes. <laughs> but this is, I'm afraid I don't know about this one. Okay, there's the one, there's the, the Bugs Bunny meme where it's like, I wish all a very, right? Okay, yeah. Uh, but it's like, there's one where he's like holding a gun and he's like, Lord forgive me, but I, I gotta, gotta go, go back. back. To me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, I don't know about that one. I swear that that art must be from like some old bootleg Bugs Bunny t shirt. There were so many of them. Almost. There were so many, many of them. Yeah. 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 Uh, on our Discord, Patrick O.D. asks... Oh, that, that's uh, that's uh, the boss dog, Patrick O'Duffy. That's right. Asks, will you ever resurrect the Hundo Club? Really? Why not? Uh, no. Because everyone we had on the Hundo Club was great. Everyone we had on for the Hundo Club was great. Partly because they gave us a hundred bucks, but we didn't have any. I, I don't think we had any like bad experiences with the Hundo Club that I remember. Uh, but it's just it's complicated. And yeah. again, as I've said many times, the only two people that I want to talk to most days are my wife and Matt Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> the the Hundo Club, I think we've referred to it as a failed experiment. I think people took that as us blaming the people who came on as members of the hundo club. It was our fault. It was awkward to have someone who's a fan of the show just come on the show and for us to expect like they would just talk to us like normal. Yeah. That was our mistake. (laughs) That was our mistake. Now, if you're asking, will you resurrect the idea of giving me and Matt a hundred dollars? That never went away. True. No True. resurrection necessary. That's yeah. still here. You can give me and Matt a hundred dollars as long as the day is long. And and we would not be against it in any way. I would be very pro it, in fact. Hot Spring Summer has a very interesting thought exercise for us on Twitter. Let's imagine the big two sold wrestling-style phrase gimmick shirts. Who has the best shirt, and who has the worst-designed shirt? Ooh. And they have, right. two exa- they have two examples for us. Their best is a Blade shirt that says, Fuck Dracula. I don't know if you can say that on a shirt. I think the U would be a fang. Would it be like? Would it be like the Stone Cold Fuck Fear shirt? Fuck Fear, yeah. yeah. D- D- Duck Fracula. <laughs> Duck Fracula. <laughs> and then uh, their worst is that Hawkeye and Bullseye DMCA each other. That's pretty good. So okay, comic superheroes with wrestling style gimmick T-shirts. You would not want to wear any Captain America shirts. 
I mean, if it was just a shirt that was like the shield on it, like a shirt with like a, like a big like a big white star on it, like Homestar Runner. I used to have a shirt like that. I used to have a Captain America shirt that was just a blue shirt with a white star on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but if it had the shield on it, that would be okay. I mean, I know they do sell those t-shirts that have the shield, just the shield. But if it had any slogan, no way. <laughs> Yeah, unless it said "Let's wrap with Cap," <laughs> I would probably buy that one. Honestly, I think Daredevil would have the best shirt. Interesting, as graphic design is not his passion. I think Daredevil's shirt would say something like "I don't have to see to kick your ass," and that is beautiful. I I think Daredevil would have a shirt that says "Ruck Fools." <laughs> <laughs> what if people don't know about rock fools they're gonna be very confused i mean daredevil's shirt could say fuck fear daredevil's shirt could say fuck fear actually yeah <laughs> that would be good yeah i'm back on board i'm back on board with daredevil's shirt that says fuck fear <laughs> somebody make it matt you need to do this because you run our uh, merchandising make it the daredevil logo like the the you know i'm making the, the most of the air but you know what it looks like but yeah. it's it says it says fuck fear <laughs> <laughs> oh that that would be pretty good uh, and instead of here comes it says um, hey oh i see what you're saying yeah so it's just hey and then in the Daredevil logo, fuck fear. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't know that I have the graphic design ability to do that, but somebody oh, could. You don't do know that. if you have the graphic design ability to make $10 million? <laughs> <laughs> right now? That's, that's interesting, Matt. Okay. Uh, besides Captain America, who would have the worst shirt? I'm not even saying they would be bad. I'm just saying, like, you wouldn't want to wear them. They, yeah, 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 yeah. Unless they said, let's wrap with Cap. Okay, who would have the definite worst shirt? I mean, almost certainly Spider-Man. Like really? his shirts would have to be terrible. Why do you, why do you say that? Oh, because like is it better for Spider-Man to for Peter Parker? Peter Benjamin Parker. Is it better for him as a character to have a good shirt or a shirt that you would be embarrassed to buy? That's so you're you're thinking in universe, story wise, his shirts have to be bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> in, practice, <laughs> in practice, the worst shirt would be uh, who's the most like mid two thousands superhero. <laughs> like, I, I mean, like, like. Red Tornado? Yeah, that would be bad. My my first thought is, like, Venom. Venom would have the worst shirts. Yeah, but, like, the actual, like, Venom logo is very good and looks cool on a shirt. Yeah. I, I like your in-universe explanation for Spider-Man having the worst shirts. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Uh, Miles on our Discord asks... 
seeing as how we've had web comics and newspaper comics and apparently even toilet paper comics, what medium would you say lies untapped as a canvas for sequential art? Uh, and buildings. They suggest waffles. So, waffles oh, like project already divided into panels. Yeah, true. Um, so you're like projected onto buildings. Yeah, I absolutely despise big block rectangular buildings with a lot of windows. Mm-hmm. Um, like from a design standpoint, I think that was like it's not even brutalist; it's like capitalist. Like a lot of brutalist architecture is actually very beautiful. You've played Control, you know that. Yes, yes. Uh, but the like the big blocky New York City skyscrapers that are just big rectangles. I hate those. But they're already divided into panels. <laughs> so, you know, what what the, what the fuck, right? Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, my suggestion is the human body. I mean, I do have several pieces of art on my body right now. Yeah, why could, like, t- t- tattoos are becoming more and more popular. Lots and lots of people are getting tattoos. Why? Why shouldn't they be sequential? I mean, I'm sure someone has that. I'm sure they do. Yeah. Marco Stack, friend of the show, asks on Twitter: Batman fighting dogs, proud tradition or shameful past? Yes. <laughs> Look, Batman has fought a lot of dogs, and as as a fan of dogs, I can tell you that's that's bad, right? Yeah, that's yeah. bad. However, as a fan of Batman, I can tell you those dogs deserved it. True and fair. True and fair. Yeah. Uh, this is going to have to be our last question. It's from Josh is bad at screen names. Josh, 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 buddy, we went through this. Josh wants to know, who are some of y'all's Blorbos? Now, a, a Blorbo is a is a character you really like, right? I think, okay. Blorbo is one of those Tumblr terms that Betty threw Blorbo at me not long ago. I kind of know the definition of, but I don't quite know the definition of, but my my understanding is that a Blorbo is not just your favorite fictional character. But your favorite fictional character who's, like, just weird enough, or, like, not a main character, like, just obscure enough that people will be like, who's that character you like, Blorbo? Yeah, it's it's the character that you like that, like, nobody else gives a shit about, right? Yeah, yeah. Which, I feel like we've got a lot of them, like, between the two of us. Sure. I love the Enforcers. Guys. Yeah, the enforcers are great. Love them. Fucking fancy so Dan. Much. Fucking fancy Dan. You know why they call him Fancy Dan? Because he knows karate. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a fucking burn on his ass. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty love good. It. I I feel like Blorbo, I, I, you know, I, I can't quite put my finger on what the actual word is, but I feel like t- Tumblr invented a word for a thing that already existed. 
somebody's favorite character from a thing that other people don't like. I think there was already a term for that, but I can't remember what it was. So we'll call it a Blorbo for, for the purposes of this. I, I will also note, my relationship to f- fictional characters is not the same as a lot of people on Tumblr. Uh, like, I don't... I. <laughs> If a character I like dies on a TV show, I understand that's what the writers of that TV show thought was the best way to take the story. You know what I mean? Or that or that guy wanted money. Or that guy wanted money. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like I don't feel ownership of my blorbos of of the characters that I like uh the most. Um, but but there are plenty that like I I do yeah ca- there are plenty of characters we care about especially in comics that nobody else cares about at all yeah like the champion the champion of the universe yeah uh, Kate Spencer Manhunter Cameron Chase oh yeah the Manhattan Guardian name anybody from mid nineties DC comics <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're there pretty much like, yeah except for jared stevens the man called fate uh yeah patrick o'duffy's pretty mad that you told him that he didn't read the man called fate he was very he was he contacted me directly he was very angry <laughs> he was not very angry he was he loved patrick the boss dog patrick o'duffy uh is an absolute delight of a person but uh, fucking aztec the ultimate man Oh, fucking love Aztec. Talking about Kurt Falconer? Yeah. Yeah, man. Love those dudes. There's, look, there's nothing we love more than a guy who never got over. <laughs> you, you know who mine is? Who's that? Diamondback? Ma- Maverick. Oh, Maverick. I love Maverick. Maverick. Maverick's a pretty good one as far as characters nobody else gives a shit about. Yeah. Like, who read every issue of Maverick solo series? This guy. He does have that cool-ass costume. That, like, bulky-ass costume that yeah. Jim Chiung then made look good. Yeah, man. Because, what was it? Was, was it Team X? That it was yeah. him and Wolverine and, and Sabretooth, and they all wore that cool costume, but he had that cool uh-huh. mask? Uh-huh. I had the action figure of Wolverine in that suit. That shit was pretty fucking good. In the long tradition of 90s costume masks that are kind of too big. Uh-huh. Like in the Kyle Rayner mask too big tradition. Yeah. There are some people out there who don't like Kyle Rayner's mask, and those people are wrong. I mean, it, it looks bad. It's too big. But that's what's good about it. Yeah, that's what's good about it. Yeah. A big old green crab on his face. I'm trying to think of any any Blorbo I have who's not a comics character. Like, somebody from a TV show or something that uh, I consider to be... I, I'll tell you what. If I had a Tumblr that was just like, here's more content of this character, here's another gif of this character saying something, and I think it's funny and I don't care if anybody else does... It would be Greg Turkington from On Cinema at the Cinema. <laughs> mm, yeah. 
Which I think you should leave character would your Tumblr be about? Oh, um, the guy who tells the dog, um, oh, what was the dog's name? It's, it's, oh, I think the dog's name is Barbie. He's like, it's all right, Barbie. I'm not the Blues Brothers. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. How about you? Uh, probably, uh, the guy who wants to know if, uh, ghosts are jizzing on the hug, the hug ghost tour. <laughs> Don't want anybody to have the worst day at their job. Oh, man. The problem is, everybody who likes that show knows every line from every yeah. sketch. Yeah. And so, th- nobody could be your Borbo because... They're all our Blorbos if if we like those shows. Yeah. Or if we like that show specifically. Season three in May. Can't wait. Gonna be good. Gonna be good. Uh Is that's gonna be out of town for a couple days. <laughs> that's gonna be I think you should leave time on the big yeah. TV. <laughs> that's gotta do it for uh this listener question special. If you would like to send us a listener question by listener question by email, you can do it at warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. You can also send us listener questions on Twitter at WarRocketPod or on our Discord, which you have to be invited to be a part of, or on Tumblr at warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. Our website Gimmick Street. Gimmick Street would be my blurbo. Yes. I care about it true. a lot. You do. You do. And I do too. I wish I wish everyone did. <laughs> Our website is warrocketajax.com. It has every episode of the show we've ever done for many years. Warrocketwiki.com is the fan repository of all the information you could ever need about Warrocket Ajax, so go check that out. If you want to find me and my stuff, you can go to mattdwilson.net to find links to my books, my comics, my other podcasts, and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me at the-isb.com. That is my website, and it has links. To all the things that I do. That's 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 Ajax 633 in the books. That's right. What and book is it in? The book of great podcasts. The gimmick book. The, gi- the gimmick book. <laughs> you, you know, Matt, you, you know that, like, the gimmick book was a thing uh, Bill Finger had. Oh, yes. It, it was, like, all his Batman ideas, right? Yeah, it was, it was all his Batman ideas, and that's why, like, uh, uh, the Black Hand, whose name is William Hand, Bill Hand, uh, had, like, in his first appearance, like, he has a gimmick book. Yeah. Because uh, it's, a, it's a big goof on uh, Bill Finger. Is, is that what ultimately inspired the Black Case book? I would guess so. But I, I have actually never put those two things together. But yeah, the gimmick book. It's a Bill, F- Bill Finger original. And that's a little piece of trivia for you. Because this show is nominally about comic books, even today. What and a way we'll to go out. With another one. That's right. We'll see you then. We'll see you then. Until then, folks, don't forget, Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights. Cops are not your friends. Abortion rights are also human rights. And drag is not a crime. We love you. We love you. Yeah! Flash. Hey!
stay on. 